Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and aesthetic doctor. And I'm Fiona Golfa, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can. Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's Clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then The Guinea Pig is here to help you. Welcome back to The Guinea Pig Podcast. I'm going to let Fiona introduce our next fabulous guest. Hi, welcome back to The Guinea Pig. Hi, Mariam, and welcome to Laura Weir, who is a dear friend, ex uh, Vogue colleague many years ago, who went on to be the editor of ES Magazine, London's favorite magazine, under her stewardship. Today, Laura, you are a journalist, consultant, generally kind of fabulous all round entrepreneur. But you are, above all, a fellow beauty lover like me. And I thought it'd be really great to get another kind of beauty fan on today as opposed to a beauty expert. I thought it'd be really interesting. And uh, I wanted to start, Laura, by asking you to talk about the day maybe two years ago where you and I were sat in Mariam's office, me clutching your sweaty palm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I think what had taken me to Mariam is that I'd heard, obviously, incredible things from lots of people who had spoken really high of the way that she kind of treats and approaches the art of improving one's face and features (laughs) and I had had a pretty dicey experience I had always felt like I had a kind of like you know envelope mouth a, a, a sheet of paper thin lips and I wanted to have a slightly fuller pout and I'd gone to see someone Um, who had administered a lip injection, which had, they were going for that Angelina Jolie, kind of like quite plump with the gap in between. Mariam, you can probably articulate it better. 
I think what happens is that sometimes when filler is placed, it's called the tubercles of the lips, These the two center bits right in the middle where you have sort of that beautiful bow right beneath the nose. Sometimes people put two little round balls on either side. And then sometimes even they might put a string above it to like kind of make them pronounce. Some people like that to give it like sort of like a heart-shaped lip. Mm. Not everybody's lip looks like that. And then sometimes you can have like, it's almost like an overhanging bit of the inner part of the lip the mucosal part of the lip that comes outwards. And so the best way I can describe it is that I feel like sometimes it looks boggy instead of defined. It 100% looks boggy. <laughs> I suppose it's interesting because I just couldn't believe people were letting me kind of walk around that way and not saying anything. And Fiona had actually said, look, you know, you've got these two bits in your mouth that hang down and they had been getting caught on my teeth. So wonder I've got any friends left actually. <laughs> <laughs> but like if I if my mouth was a bit dry and my teeth weren't you know my teeth were a bit dry they would kind of there would be some friction there and it would just bother me it really bothered me and but you were scared of doing I was really it, scared because I had already had that experience of it going wrong that I thought my god imagine it going wrong on top of wrong and so that was two years ago and it took me two years to build up the courage and I walked in to see Marianne about two weeks ago and said right I'm ready now and it was the most pain-free, quickest experience. She dissolved the filler that was, you know, on the two sides of the lip. And, and almost overnight, the, the piece, they disappeared. And now I have, I don't have it anymore. It's great. You're quite an interesting study, actually, Laura, because of my friends. I mean, I, I know that what happens to me when, when the possibility of a beauty treatment is that I go into, as we, as we know, I go into blackout and I'm like, do it you know, fuck the pain, just do it. I want it. I want it now. I want it all. But you, you are the most kind of like pain cautious kind <laughs> of nervy. Oh my God. Am I going to die if I blow my nose kind of person that I know. So, so your hands are sort of clammy. I know that when we, we stayed on in Marianne's office, you were like, I want it. Oh my God, is it going to hurt? Can I do this? So you were really, um, I'm so, I'm so cautious of like in, you know, because I think obviously if if I were to think about all of the things I would like to do to myself, the thing that definitely holds me back from those decisions are pain and the healing process. And I feel like I, I mean, I'm terrible in the chair, Marianne will, can, will admit. Look, I think most people think they're terrible in the chair because... I, to be fair, I think most people are a little nervous. They don't really know how it's going to turn out. I think the fear, even for myself, like, you know, I'd love to do a lower eyelid blepharoplasty myself and have a little bit of that skin taken away. But I fear what it's going to look like afterwards. And sometimes the devil you know is the better than the devil you don't yeah. know. And so I get that. It's, and that's why I think it's always good to be like a little bit on the cautious side and underdo things because you can always add more. It's not, it's not, it's another visit and a potential little bit of, you know, potential swelling or bruising, but generally speaking, most people fare really well and don't really have either of those. So it's, uh, or, you know, not every time, you know, at least, but I think it's always like scary because you just don't know what it's going to look like. And the worst thing is to have think that you're doing something that you're going to be happy with and then not being happy with the outcome. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever been in a position where I've hated something enough to risk the not working out the way I wanted it to would justify the process, you know, because I, I've never been in that position or I haven't yet where I've thought, oh my God, this is making me truly unhappy or truly 
feeling sad and yeah. have low self-esteem so but Nora I think that the thing I love about you and your relationship with beauty and and sort of generally in life is that you're somebody who who sort of you celebrate things you get excited about things and you get great pleasure out of things and you get excitement out of things you don't come to beauty from a from a position of dissatisfaction no you're somebody you're very secure in yourself and you so you enjoy tweaking I think we 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 know and you're on the show and you're very open about talking about it which I love about you but I never hear you say I hate my nose I hate my eyes I hate my this that's what what I like about you you kind of come at it in the same way as you would enjoy buying a new mascara or an illuminator it's fun it makes you look better it doesn't take a huge kind of psychological toll for no. you how you no. look. you play with beauty and I think at best, that's what tweaking does, is, is that you can, obviously you can fix things and you can, you know, put things back, but really it's a sort of, you know, why do we all do it? Because we like looking a bit better. We don't want to look like somebody else. Do you think people are more experimental with their looks post, no, I can't even say post lockdown because here we are in lockdown number two, but in general, do you think people are a little bit more experimental now than they have been before? I have my own thoughts on that actually. Um, I'm not sure that lockdown has necessarily induced a new sense of experimentalism, but I wonder, I mean, I think lockdown has done other things. I think that the performative nature of beauty and makeup has diminished somewhat with the change in the way that we're working and living. I think that, you know, getting ready for Zoom is a very different process to getting ready for the office, for example. I think that generally people are becoming more experimental on a DIY level. I mean, not necessarily talking about from an aesthetics point of view in terms of injectables and tweaking, but certainly from a, an adornment and beauty process, when I look at like DIY hair culture, you know, girls buying extensions and press on nails and things from Amazon, kind of doing it themselves because the availability of salons has become of shots so like just talking then to you Fee, about your hair color pre-covid we would have just gone to a hair salon and now i'm saying well why don't you try holly willoughby number 10 nutrice home hair dye because that's the options that are available so i think in that sense mariam yes people have become more experimental well i cut my hair i chopped it not that you can really tell because only a person who realized i chopped my hair was my trainer <laughs> by the way. probably see more of your trainer than you do of anybody else in the world so i should hope that your trainer would notice but he is the only one who noticed and now i miss my long hair so actually lockdown is okay because it'll grow out because now i now i feel like i'm just a brunette and it's just like this blah bob i need to fit i need it to i don't know i, like I thought I, I looked old to have long hair anymore but i miss my long hair so right. it'll grow back in lockdown exactly i'm experimenting so i bought like green eyeshadow and blue eyeliner, like electric blue and emerald green. I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, dark colors of these. I'm, I'm talking about electric colors. So I feel like on the, on obviously not nothing permanent, but on like the superficial little bits, I'm, I'm a little bit more experimental. I'm like, I've gone dark nails, never had dark nails. Like, I feel except... like, the, the, like the rules, all the, all the rules are like, there are no rules anymore. All bets are off. The way we're living and life has completely changed. And I think people want to find joy in 
like the thrill of doing a different nail color as as minute yes. as it may be but laurie you were um you were still working on a magazine at sort of up until the middle of mm. lockdown the first time around that was very very tied into the fashion and beauty industry and do you think there's been a a, a kind of big shift in how the fashion and beauty world are looking you know, who they're looking to as role models, who they're looking to, what their ideas of beauty are, what their ideas of beauty within the culture that we're living in. Because, I mean, I'm even thinking about today, today, right, we're right in the middle of waiting to hear who the next uh, president of the United States are. And I'm thinking about how the whole actually Trump family look and, you know, Madame Trump and that unbelievably kind of like over sculpted done. Do you think there's a there's been a shift in perception of what beauty is in the last, say, six months. Well, to your first point about role models and fashion in the beauty industry, I feel like the industry is making some progress in terms of being representative. You know, I think that brands need to be reflecting the people that buy their products. And I think that people are beginning to make those changes in, in certainly from a decision-maker perspective in those bigger brands certainly not enough is being done of course we know that and that those changes have been a long time coming but they're, they're very welcome i think relating to kind of covid and things shifting yes i think there has been you know some changes in perception of beauty as we were saying before yeah and that that sort of trumpian look it struck me that they dress very similarly and make the women make up very similarly to the the Fox News anchors. I think it's all very interesting. It's definitely a look, which has been interesting to see. It's all about messaging and branding, a consistency of appearance, the kind of surety of knowing what to expect when that person comes onto camera. So that personal image piece in politics is obviously very important. And I think, you know, we've seen that all over our screens for quite a lot of lockdown. So yeah, I think it's been an interesting time. <laughs> but I think actually the fashion industry has almost kind of countered that with a much more, you know, there's a sort of much more sporty, relaxed, natural, understated thing that's going on that, that contrasts very well with that kind of sharp, polished, hard. And Mariam, do you find that in, when you're working with people, do you find that the kind of what people want is slightly kind of softer than it was say, a year ago well i mean i think i think people are doing things to make themselves feel better so i think the feel factor is really important so same way as like you know cutting my hair or, you know making my nails a different color gives me a little bit of joy i think they come here to experience a little bit of something they're doing for themselves maybe they're not having dinner with their bestie or being able to, you know, go out and just uh, enjoy walking around in Peter Jones or wherever it is that they're going to. So I think some of it has to do with like, it's a little, it's like a little outing, like, you know, and I get to chat with everybody, which is really fun. Um, and I think, you know, people want to still look good, even if they're in their sweatpants. So, you know, it doesn't matter if they're in leggings and a you know, an oversized sweatshirt, they want to feel that they look fresh, even dressed down. So it doesn't, you know, even if they're on a Zoom call, it doesn't matter. They just want to look their best. And I do think the one thing that I will say is I keep saying it's the lockdown meltdown, but like, I, I think it's the, maybe the Zoom face or whatever. Um, people notice things when they're on video conferencing that I don't think they noticed before. So most people don't stand in front of the mirror when they're getting ready in the morning and talk to themselves, you know, so they're usually not seeing themselves animated, laughing, talking, the way their eyebrows move, the way that, you know, they might frown in the middle. But when you're on a tele, you know, 
video conferencing sort of call, you notice all of those little tiny things that you might not notice before. So I also think people, especially women, are a little bit more attentive to like all the little things that they normally, one, they didn't have time to look at, and two, they didn't even have the opportunity because I mean, other than FaceTime, which I feel is like horrendous for everybody. I don't think any, even my gorgeous little nine-year-old daughter looks bad on FaceTime. So like, I feel like people don't necessarily look at that and say, oh my God, my face looks like a disaster. But with Zooms all day long, I mean, uh, there's, you're, you're sitting, you're generally like, you guys, I'm on a phone, but both of you are on a computer right now. So like you have everything sort of sorted. It's not like up in your face like this, you know, so it's, it's um. It's, it's a little bit different in that sense. But in general, I mean, I just think that people are willing to try a little bit more now, not necessarily to be harsh, but they're like, oh, well, why don't I do? I've had a lot of men come in for eyelid surgery. I, I think that I've seen more men in the last um, two months than I have in the last year, to give you an example. So a lot of men, which I think is interesting. They, they have more time to have a little bit of downtime if they're working from home and not traveling. And, you know, people are able to give themselves a little bit of time to do other things too. So I think actually my industry is one of the few that is really quite busy during this time because living in London, you forget how much everybody travels so much or used to travel so much and was buzzing around from here and there. That energy that we had here in, in London was different than we have now. And so I, I just think that, um, you know, people have a little bit of downtime to do those things. So it's not really about changing. It's about kind of addressing things that might have sort of nagged them in the background. And now they have a little bit more time to address. Laura, I know that you're a fan, but talk us through what you're a fan of. I'd love to know what your kind of beauty history has been. So she, Laura is a, you're in your mid thirties, You've got kind of Brit Eklund, blonde, fabulous, um, long blonde hair, very sort of silvery blonde, lovely wide cheekbones, eyes, very white teeth, very, very pretty, elegant looks Laura's got. And she's, she's always been very kind of chic. You look like you're not wearing makeup, but you do your skin actually. I must say you're, you're the best person I know at putting on a, a glow. So I kind of want to know when you thought, oh, all right, it's time to tweak. Let's go. And what you started with and what your kind of beauty life has been. I'll pay you later, Fee. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, well, so growing up, she wasn't allowed any beauty stuff at home. So I wasn't allowed to kind of wear heels, shave my legs, engage kind of in beauty at all. Because my mum, I remember my mum saying to me, like, you're tall and blonde already. Like, you, you really need to kind of be aware of that and uh, not sexualise yourself in that sense. Um, Your mum was a teacher, right? She was a teacher and we very much, as a, as a, as a household, kind of valued, didn't, didn't really kind of put value on appearance in that sense. So, like, you know, it wasn't about what you looked like, but it was about what you did and what was going on in your brain and that sort of thing. So it, was, it wasn't really seen as a... My mum definitely was, was never really interested in makeup. She, she always had Chanel number no. five, and that was it. And I, I think she, she loves like a, a bit of makeup on her wedding day. I did her makeup on her second, second marriage. She's very much into, so she's very much into Ayurveda, eating the right thing. So almost kind of beauty from the inside out. So I suppose I've always been interested in that. And then I, but I think when you're, you know, when you're kept from something, it makes you more interested, doesn't it? So 
I think growing up, I remember my first kind of like pink eye shadow that I tried on, which I love. I've never really been hugely into makeup in terms of wearing a lot of it, but I love the trinketing of makeup. So I love the packaging and the bottles and the collecting and I love the colours. Um, and I like the, as my nan used to say, you, I really show for a bit of makeup. So what she'd say to my mum as well, go you show for a bit of makeup, she'd say which means that like you put it on and it really does can make a difference and I've always enjoyed that kind of transformational element a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, I was maybe in my late 20s when I first started to explore the idea of treatments. It was very much something that a work colleague was, was telling me about and I was kind of interested in it. As a method of, I suppose, enhancing what I already quite liked. I don't, yeah, as we said before, I don't think I came at it from a position of feeling dire about anything, but just that I quite like the idea that it could make you doubly, you know, doubly attractive or doubly better or doubly more refreshed. And yeah, so I think I just started with a little bit of Botox and then, and then I had the lip moment that we discussed, the disastrous lip moment. And then I went to Mariam and I had some Profilo for the first time with Mariam and some filler. I think I have, like Mariam will say, but I, I guess I maybe have it once or twice a year. Actually, you're really good. So you are happy, but sometimes when people get happy, they come back, they want to keep coming back because it's like a high, you know, they think like the more they do, the better it is. So you're actually really good. You do it and then you go away and then like you come back like a year later. Yeah, you know, Mariam is definitely a key part of my maintenance toolkit but then I also you know a woman who's been on this podcast with you Sarah Braddon she's a big part of my life actually she's facial acupuncturist but also has become she's a broader healer in a sense so I see her regularly I was thinking this morning how much I miss my crew yeah like it is a big part of my life. And you know, I watched a little video on Instagram this morning that my hairdresser put up, Joel at uh, John Frieda, and he'd cut someone's hair. And I've been kind of trying to do this challenge where I'm absolutely not touching my hair for a year. Because since I was nine years old, I've been in the hairdresser having color. I mean, literally my mum, as soon as I could walk, I feel she had me having my hair dyed. So this is probably the longest I've ever gone without that sort of, um, I want to say cuddle, that sort of lovely enveloping community that you build of people who who are your mm. therapists in every sense of the word. And we've discussed that before. You know, I, Joel, I go in and see him, but oh my God, he knows my secrets. He knows my fears. Mm. He knows my hair. He knows my 
marriage he knows everything and I and I, I was thinking the other day you know I feel even though I could have gone between the between the lockdowns I feel kind of lonely for it and I do think that there's a community of people we build around yeah. us that make us feel absolutely better. and I think that you know when when salons close for example you know you actually really feel for in a way you know they're friends and they're such yeah. a trusted and valuable part of your life and actually their their whole career is designed around making you feel good and that is such a, a privilege you know to know those people that are totally invested in you that in that way it's the same you know Mariam's one of those people Sarah Braddon and then even down the road for me is an alternative health clinic called the tree of life and I go there for all sorts of things, massage from a brilliant woman called Emma. You know, and, and I haven't been able to do those things. And, I've, and it's made me value them even more. I think that's actually really important. Um, no one realizes like it takes so many people to make you feel and look good from your hairdresser. For me, my eyebrow person, like I can't live without having my eyebrows done or my nails. Like I don't really care that. I mean, even my blow dries, like whatever it is, like it just... I know, I miss all those people too. I feel very regressed actually, because I'm in Cornwall, as you know, and I was gonna to come to London and I was excited because it was time for my profilo. It was time for, you know, I was building up to a lip refresh because it's been a while. And I've noticed that I have started to bite my nails. I haven't bitten my nails since I was a teenager. But because I'm so used to like my, I was, my grandmother used to say to me, my grandmother was European and she'd like, you need to have a manicure, you know, you need to have regular manicures, you need to look after yourself. That was, just, she had red nails like you always, Mariam. So I've just always like part of my cultural thing is, you know, you have regular manicures, keep yourself nice. It's like all of those things that, you know, your mum or your, or your granny teach you. And uh, my nails are, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I think also priorities shift and your lifestyle changes. So, you know, new anxieties arrive and you're using your hands in a different way. You're probably doing more, making more, cooking more, doing, you're in the garden, you know, you're living a different lifestyle to the one in London, which is about slightly more performative for, for everyone. It's kind of like home life versus like, you know, we're not going out. We're not going to dinners. We're not going to events. We don't have to kind of, look a certain way i mean you know you're not on the magazine at the moment but if you were laura and you're sort of you're selling a life and a beauty life aspirational life which is what we do on magazines mm -hmm. right we're showing people the best of what's out there what do you think you'd be i mean i know it's hypothetical because you're not but you are also you know consulting for lots of people i know and you work with brands on like what what what's going on in the world what do you think you'd be looking to in terms of beauty what do you think the, the message would be as an editor or the, the role models that you'd be looking at in a kind of possibly post-Kardashian world? It's interesting because I think it's very easy for editors to look at something like the Kardashian movement for contouring let's say or the you know the, the Kardashian way of inverted commas a lot of makeup a lot of sculpting definition you know quite a heavy face um and say my god that's so over when actually if you look outside your window at real people and real women and real girls that's far from over you know there there are still so many women and girls who are 
using those tools to make them feel and look a certain way. And I think that as editors, you have to read what's in the zeitgeist without putting your own assumptions into, into play. I think that's really important. And as much as you want to say Kardashians are over and here comes the new natural beauty, well, you know, sales of contouring products and Instagram how-tos are through the roof by influencers that wear, you know, I'm thinking like Chloe Sims from The Only Way is Essex, for example, who is probably not a name that lots of beauty editors would think of because she's on from The Only Way is Essex, right? But this woman is incredibly influential in beauty. You know, she's like driving Huda Beauty's brand sales. Pat McGrath just sent her a load of palettes that she's been trying out. Um, and I think that there, that's the difference between like real women and what real women are actually wearing and what sometimes editors think that they are wearing or should be wearing. So that's one point. But I think it's interesting because I have this real duality personally between, you know, one minute I'm looking at, you know, Fiona and I've been working a bit on a, a kind of agricultural supporting our friends in, in a certain space at the moment. And as a result of that, I, I came across this woman who was a crofter. And she was working in the Highlands and she was wearing this like barber jacket and she had this long flowing auburn hair, not a scrap of makeup, beautiful cheekbones, freckles, fresh face, completely windbeaten and battered. I thought, my God, she looks absolutely gorgeous. And like, that's what I want to be. And then six hours later, I'll be on my phone trying out story filters that make me look like Kendall Jenner going, oh, but I want to look like that as well, you know? We've still got one foot in the party and one foot in front of the fire. I'm completely influenced by the last thing I've ever watched on TV. <laughs> so currently, as Laura knows, I'm obsessed by a show called The Queen's Gambit, which stars someone called Anya Taylor-Joy, mm. who, and it's sort of set in the late 50s through the 60s. The hair and makeup is so off the chart fabulous that and never mind the costumes and the art direction and the thing but I'm so completely kind of enthralled to wanting to do a little you know lick of eyeliner on the top wear a black polar net you know weigh about six stone run around a pair of kind of cropped black trousers but it's it's so interesting what and then I watched Strictly yeah. you know I watched Strictly last week and I couldn't see anyone's face for the makeup because they're so 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 heavily made up there's more pancake foundation there's more kind of highlighter i have to say i think i see that a little bit less now i think with the mask i mean i know that no one the kardashians are going nowhere and that look is not going anywhere but i think mask made it difficult to be on a face full of makeup like that and then breathe and create your own microclimate within the mask so I feel like normally people who would normally have come in my office with tons of makeup are actually coming in with much less. I agree, like on social media, I think, you know, they're actually giving all of us a little bit of voyeurism in a time when we're not able to move and do things. So who knows when a lot of those pictures are taken, but it, it's an entertainment source when you don't, you can't see your own friends. And yes, all of those individuals tend to have full face of makeup and contouring and, and all of that kind of stuff. But in my office, I have definitely seen a lot of people who normally would wear more makeup and are wearing much less when they come in to see me just because they're wearing that mask. And I've really noticed yeah. I've been getting a lot of breakouts around my mask zone. You are creating microclimate in that. Yeah. And if you have makeup and a little bit of bacteria that sits there, that's like the perfect storm for having a little bit of acne. 
what's the best thing to do if you're having breakouts from masks? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's best to have a clean face. So cleansing is really important, po possibly cleansing more than just at, you know, once or twice a day. So uh, if you go home, every time you go home, it's really nice to wash your face. I tend to do a mask now, like ever, uh, like an actual uh, mask on uh, my face, <laughs> not like a face, you know, like a, covering my mouth, but actually, a, you know, a, a skincare regimen. And I, um, when I'm wearing my mask, I, I don't put any makeup down there. I mean, nothing at all. Like if you've worn your mask more than a couple of hours, you need to replace it. What do you think is changing in terms of like beauty and brands? And is there anything exciting in the brands that you see? Also about retail, I mean, like, you know, how is beauty and retail, like anything changing? I mean, wh what do you think is exciting in, in these areas? In terms of beauty and retail, I think people are definitely shopping on Instagram. I think for me, I'm now, you know, before the shops close, I would go into a department store, I would probably try out, but then I would go home and price compare online and probably purchase online because I wouldn't want to carry things around. So I think the question of can you buy a fragrance online, for example, I think that there is that culture of going into store, trying things and then buying later. I think that there's an interesting movement I just got sent something by Votary, who are a, a natural a natural brand made in the UK. They specialise really, they started with oils for the face. Now they've moved into supplements. And I think that that's really interesting. So I'm seeing a lot of brands kind of making that more holistic move where beauty is concerned, but they're now investing in things that you take, you know, supplements or uh, probiotics and, and how, where the segue between administering those things and the way that your face looks. Do you think you're more inclined to buy a clean brand, as it were, a brand that has no none of the nasties in it because of COVID? Do you think that you've sort of moved that way as a response to what's going on in, in, in the world? No, I think I was already moving. I've already, I've always been interested in a combination of quite hot, like, you know, like a retinol or something that is quite chemical combined with a more soothing application of something natural for every day. Um, I feel like actually as a culture, we're probably becoming more au fait with an antibacterial quality or a stringent quality in our products because of the amount of hand sanitizer we're using. And we're probably more aware of you know, like the bacteria killing properties of something a bit more hardcore than these natural, I don't know, maybe it's a presumption, but maybe we're going to start believing in the science a bit more over the kind of natural ingredients, perhaps. I think that's so true. I Certainly, I get frustrated with people who say they're like natural or organic, completely clean. So there's no uniform definition for any of these characterizations. There's no body that regulates any of those uh, claims. I think that actually when you think of something that is organic or clean or natural, what comes to mind is not necessarily what's actually there. I think it's a play on terms and is more of a marketing gimmick than anything else. If you have a cream that lasts for six months unopened or unused or even opened and continuing to be used, you have preservatives and preservatives are chemicals. Mm. So you, you can't organic chemicals. Uh, I consider myself a conscious brand, you know, so everything in my formulations is there for a reason. It might not classify as quote unquote, like clean or organic or natural, but 
you know, you said a retinol, for instance. Well, retinol is actually a vitamin A derivative. It's, it is a chemical, but it's, it's derived from a natural vitamin. And so, you know, I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive, really. You know, I think you can combine the two of them together. And I think science should always win. I'm a really big believer in where's the research, where's the data. So actually more people are allergic to oils than they are any fragrance, the artificial fragrance that's been placed in, in skincare. So if you actually want to go down that route, you have to have a little bit of knowledge and education about what really is like an irritant and what really isn't uh, an, like something bad for you. I've always washed my hands like a hundred times a day just because of my job. And I'm always putting cream on my hands. And so I, I wish there were some less abrasive things, for instance, to sanitize things. But unfortunately, there is no good alternative for those now. And if there were, I mean, I'm sure most people would prefer that than placing alcohol on their hands 50 times a day to sanitize. We are all using sanitizers and it does make our skin dry. What, Mariam, do you think is the best kind of hand cream out there? I mean, like, honestly, the hand cream that you have in your bag, anything that you use, but, but I think anything that's more like an emollient, anything that's slightly heavier that locks in that hydration is really what you need because you're already with alcohol, you're, you're taking away all the natural oils and also you're taking away natural hydration. And so anything that can hold, you know, hydrate and then hold in that hydration is really good. So right now I have the Neutrogena unscented hand cream concentrated because this is really kind of nice in terms of locking in the hydration and I don't feel that it's greasy I also don't like really greasy hand cream I think we need the skin food is nice as well I've been using that actually so I want to know because Laura in your in your position you get sent everything I know you do so I kind of wanted you to just talk me through your your dressing table today, Laura. How do you start your day? What are you putting on your face? Okay. So I, I wake up and the first thing I do is have a, a shot of Simprove probiotic followed by about eight different vitamins. At the moment, I'm having a very heavy dose of B vitamins, D vitamins, vitamin C to build immunity, cat claw, lysine and some fish oil because my joints are getting a bit stiff. Then I will um, have a shower and... I'm really at the moment quite loving the, um, and it's actually nicked from your shelf, Fiona. I bought my own one, the Lancer polish, the exfoliating. I just think that's absolutely fantastic. It's not so too abrasive, but it really takes that layer off. And then I'll probably follow up with washing my face with something slightly more gentle, like a La Roche-Posay kind of gentle face wash. Then I will moisturize with something like a Tata Harper, usually a natural, natural in quotes, moisturizer, so Tata Harper or something from Votary, probably. Then I, if I'm doing makeup, I will go in with some Armani foundation because I think that they make the best foundations. It's so smooth. I love the texture. I like the staying power is great. And also the palette for my skin tone works really well. Then I will use Charlotte Tilbury blusher. I don't know. The, I think it's pillow talk blusher. Uh, something quite pinky. You use her illuminator? Yes, I like the illuminator, but I find like not for every day. I would probably, that's probably like if I was going out somewhere, I would use the illuminator. And then I can give or take the brand of mascara that I use. I'm not that fuss. I'll use probably Benefit brow products and a lip balm. I never wear lipstick or lip liner ever. I would like to, but I think it's quite aging and it will just come off because I'm always touching my face and talking too much. So I'll always 
put a bit of lip balm on. I try and take good care of my hair. So I'll use like an Orbe curl cream if I'm letting my like natural waves come through or Percy and Reed styling cream if I'm blow drying it. And I love those wet brushes. They're really good for getting through the knots. So when you have very peroxide blonde hair, it gets chewy. And so you, you know, yeah, you get yeah. those knots at the nape of your neck. So that, they're great for that. And then I'll end the day with a bath. I'm, sometimes I'll start the day with a bath. I'm obsessed with baths and I love a bath milk. So something like a Willida rosemary bath milk or Ulbasoil bubbles or even a Badidas or Radox if I'm feeling retro. We have quite a bath relationship, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. We're always sending each other pictures of our feet <laughs> as we luxuriate. It's like my, my thinking time. I love I love the bath for that. So um, the other thing I've got quite into is a natural deodorant. I've been trying, uh, there's one from Lush, which is actually really brilliant. A brand called Aurelia, which works surprisingly well. It's a cream, Yeah, it's it? a cream. And I, and I was, because of lockdown and traveling less and not being in, in necessarily as high pressure situations, the perspiration rate I notice is slightly decreasing. And therefore I thought perfect time to try something slightly more natural. And I found that those two have worked really well. Beauty um, product you would develop or invent, what would it be? Skincare and or makeup? Ooh, I think I would develop, so makeup wise, I'm still yet to find the eyebrow the perfect eyebrow pencil or that, you know, that thing that can really go toe to toe with a microblading session, that eyebrow pencil or powder or just one stick that could just make my brows just fill them in properly because they either look too heavy, too dark, um, too, too clumpy, too fine. I just, I, I can never find the right balance. And I think probably something, you know, around our hand sanitizer discussions, a moisturizing hand sanitizer would be great. Let me tell our listeners, one thing you'll never have to do, Laura, is whiten your teeth. You've got I the know. nicest, whitest, brightest I teeth, all your own work. I know. Do you know, someone that said weird, to me the yeah. other day, your teeth are so white. And, and they're very even. Considering all the fags and wine, it's a miracle, to be honest. Laura Weir, thank you so much for coming thank on The Guinea Pig and sharing your beauty life with Thanks us. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening and tuning in to The Guinea Pig. Bye. Bye. The Guinea Pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialling a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 